Welcome to the Legally Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Hanna. This week, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by the wonderful Andrew Waddell. Andrew is the Managing Director of Winslow Tax Law Limited. Andrew trained at Eversheds and joined the firm Lovells. After Lovells merged with Hogan and Hartson, Andrew was appointed a senior tax associate. He advises on real estate transactions, corporate mergers and acquisitions. Andrew also has experience in private client tax consultancy. So a very, very warm welcome, Andrew. Thanks, Rob. What, a, what an introduction. <laughs> uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Before we go through all your amazing projects and experiences and what you're doing for the legal community, we have a customary icebreaker question here on the Legally Speaking podcast, which is, on the scale of 1 to 10, 10 being very real, what would you rate the hit TV series Suits in terms of its reality? <laughs> oh dear, this, this is where I'm going to be showing my age. I have to confess, I've probably only ever seen an episode of it, but what am I going to say? It's all very glamorous, but they do look like they pull all-nighters. So I'm going to say, mm, it's probably a seven. A seven, fair enough. And it's good that you've seen an episode because most people say they've never seen it or they have seen it, they hate it or they love it. But with that, let's move swiftly on and talk about something super exciting all about you. So why don't you start by telling our listeners a little bit about your your background and journey? Sure, sure. Well, I mean, you can probably tell from my accent. I'm not originally from England. Um, I come from a place called Carrickfergus, which is about 10 miles outside Belfast. It's sort of like a seaside commuter town. Um, went to school there, and then after did my A-levels, moved over to England uh, to university in Leeds. Studied law in Leeds, um, had a great time there. Stuck around in Yorkshire, went, uh, went up to the College of Law in York to do the LPC, uh, and then came back to, to Leeds to um, train at Evershed. So that was my sort of how I got from Northern Ireland over to England, and then pretty much stayed in England for the next 20 years. Um, at the moment, I sort of split my time between London and, and, and visiting back home in Belfast, but I, I pretty much moved over and then didn't look back. Yeah, and I'm making it my mission as a Leeds University person myself to get as many Leeds University alumni on the, on the show. What, what, year, what year were you there? Oh, it's all a bit of a blur, Andrew. <laughs> it's all a bit of a blur, Andy. I can't tell you. Um, but, and remember, this is a show about you, not me. So, recognise you from Compass. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but you mentioned you obviously trained at Eversheds, and then you joined uh, Lovell's Tax Department. You know, why did you choose yeah. to specialise in in tax? I sort of I mean, didn't start off, you know, in, in, in sort of academics wanting to specialise in tax. And, you know, if anything, I didn't even know I wanted to, to be a lawyer. I, you know, I got good exam results. So I went to do a law degree as a sort of, you know, it's a good degree to have. And then you'll, you may not want to go into law after. And I sort of just got swept along with it. You know, during your degree, people are doing sort of uh, legal placements, back schemes, things like that. And I just got into it and enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, and got offered a training contract with Eversheds and it was a you know, good opportunity. In terms of going into tax, that's, again, when I joined there, I, I didn't really, to be honest, I didn't have any thoughts of what discipline to go into. I was quite interested in, in business law as opposed to, you know, criminal or uh, family or things like that. But it really just came from doing the seats in the, in the departments. You know, you, at that time, you either did four or six seats and you moved around and you did, you know, property, uh, construction, litigation, and my corporate seat was 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 tax, and uh, just really liked it from there, and, and decided to specialise into it. 
Yeah, and you've been hugely successful, and we'll come on to the present day shortly. But as part of your your journey, you were then were at Hogan Lovells, and you were appointed as a senior tax associate there. What did you most enjoy about being a senior tax associate? And obviously, with with tax law, there's a lot of skills. So, what skills did you particularly pick up and and learn as part of that uh, that role? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say you sort of learn anything as part of that role. It's like it's like anyone who's listened to this, who's, who's a lawyer, will know as you you know as your PQE develops through associate and senior associate and towards partner, you just accumulate more experience. You work on more complex transactions, and you become sort of self sufficient, if you like, in the performance of your job. Um, and I guess the sort of the, the senior lawyer band of people within the organisation is really where you're at your the sort of the, you do the optimum legal work. Um, you know, the, the senior partner may be looking after client relationships and overseeing things, but it, the senior lawyers are really executing the transactions and doing the sort of the heavy lifting of the technical work. So it's at that point of the career where really you're, it's, I think it's the fastest development of your technical experience. Um, and I would say that to, to this day, I probably did more sort of um, involved technical work at that point than I even do now. Yeah, and let's talk about the now because you know you are now the managing director of one of the best boutique tax law firms out there, undoubtedly. And I'm a massive yeah, fan of what you do. <laughs> well, it's 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 so true because what you and the Winslow Tax team are, are, are doing is is incredible. So, talk us through what a what a day in the life of a, a managing director looks like, and what was your inspiration for for founding the firm? <clears throat> well, I start with the second of those two questions. I mean, how we sort of got to where we are now. I mean, I. I really enjoyed my time in big law, as people call it. You know, Avershed is a great place to, to study. It's such a great ethos in the firm. I loved it there. Lovells or Hogan Lovells as it now is, you know, I maybe didn't realise at the time just how much training and how much development I was getting because you're surrounded by fantastic colleagues. There's such an infrastructure of, of sort of development. But I wanted to do something more entrepreneurial, not completely move away from tax, but to use the training and the skills that I've had. And um, so I left... Um, Hogan Lovells to go and do some consultancy work for a boutique and also for some other law firms. And firms were just approaching me saying, you know, we don't have a tax partner or a senior tax person. We don't need one all of the time. But a big M&A job has come, you know, has come to us. Um, can you help us with the tax aspects so we can keep that bit of business? And so I did a few projects like that. And I really got buzz out of being my own boss, but still keeping my hand in and doing the stuff that I enjoyed and what I was trained in. Um, and that's sort of how I made my sort of uh, transition from being a sort of an employed lawyer into running a boutique. And it was that middle part of, if you like, being a, a sole practitioner consultant um, that I really liked. But I guess that the key thing that I realized was that if you're going to have law firms as clients, then it's much better if rather than being a, a one man band consultant that you are a fully SRA regulated and insured law firm because that is a really good fit alongside your clients and also you need more than one person to deliver that proper city quality advice so that's sort of where Winslow's sort of came from um what does the end of life of a managing director look like well it's one of those things it's you know when you first start out and you've left big law you sort of something comes across your desk and you sort of think you know whose job is it to do this and you sort of look around and then you realize, oh no, it's my job now. And so you do, you wear quite a lot of hats, especially in the, in the infancy of any business. So you're overseeing technical work, you're working with you know partners to win new work, recruitment, op, ops, sales, marketing. You know, it, it's any, it's the same as any business owner. And, and law just so happens to be the product that we sell, tax law. 
But everything else is, I'm sure, the same as anyone listening to this who runs any sort of small professional services or boutique. Yeah, and you do such a tremendous job of it. And it's so true, isn't it? Because when you start up, you know, people are ringing and saying, can I speak to the HR department speaking? <laughs> can I speak to the finance legal department speaking? Yeah, exactly. As you, as, you, as you rightly say, and it's so true, you have to be able to wear so many hats. And it's so it's it's great that you have that entrepreneurial flair because, you know, many of the, the legal professionals may be looking to try and ha- express that, but don't take that step. So it's great that you have taken your legal skill set and that entrepreneurial flair and set up something super exciting because, you know, Winslow Law, as you mentioned, you know, you support other law firms which don't necessarily have tax departments. So, you know, in what ways do you provide that sort of full support to people? Tell us more. Yeah, well, I mean, there's, if you took, for example, the top two or 300 law firms in the country, once you get below the sort of, you know, your magic circle, silver circle, international firms, they're the top massive 50 firms. Once you get below that, you'll find a lot of those really good quality firms for one reason or another have evolved without their own internal tax department or have evolved with a, a, a skeleton tax department. So when it gets really busy, you know, the two or three people can't staff the work. And so what we do is we um, plug into those firms alongside them and deliver a service on their transactions or on their projects in as integrated a way as we possibly can. So we try to recreate for them the service delivery as if we were sitting down the hallway from them. Uh, and so, you know, if they're, a, give you an example, uh, a firm has a great corporate department, but has evolved without a tax department, um, we would come in alongside them and we would do all of the tax aspects of the transaction, you know, working and running it through the lead corporate partner, doing everything that we would do if we were sat inside their firm, aligning ourselves on price, aligning ourselves on terms and, and just generally being part of the team. So that, that's what we aim to do um, to, to give a seamless sort of joined up service. And that's the, the point you mentioned there, because the that's what you're really good in terms of that onboarding piece. Because you've been doing it so long now, you do have that experience and expertise. It is almost like a plug-in and play because you really understand the the, the model, right, for people listening yeah. in who might be thinking about that. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And our clients, I mean, we, we work mainly with law firms, but we also support some accountancy firms. We also have what we call direct clients who might be uh, large corporates, high net worth individuals. You know, we we don't specifically work for law firms, but it is a, you know, a large part of our practice. And because we've all come from large city firms, we all know what the environment's like inside a solicitor's practice. So we, can, um, we know how the pace at which transactions work. We know how our colleagues in other departments want to receive their tax advice in a sort of commercial layman's you know, way, which is pragmatic and is going to help them get their deal over the line. You know, it's not going to be sent to them in a sort of academic thesis wrapped in pink string into the four <laughs> weeks time. It's, you know, it's, it's aligning ourselves based on our experience and how to deliver it. Um, in terms of, you know, what, what we do, I mean, corporate support we do a lot of. Real estate we support. We've got lots of great real estate um, law firm clients. And we do everything for them from transactional support to sort of legal opinions on stamp duty, VAT and all those other exciting things. Um, employment lawyers we support, um, finance lawyers, and um, we have just recently started to, to build out our private client department, which is effectively bringing real technical private client tax support to great private client generalist practices. So lots of exciting stuff going on. 
Yeah, and you you keep super super busy. And just want to sort of go back to to your journey, really, because there's a lot of learns that we want to kind of pick out from from all the things that you've achieved and done. Because um, you also spent time working as a tax consultant, and maybe people less familiar. Can you explain what that involved? Yeah, well, I mean, tax consultant is just a sort of fairly generic term, meaning um, a self-employed tax advisor. So, you know, what you'd be doing would be depending upon the client that you had at the time. So whilst I was doing that, I was doing some work for a boutique who had sort of private clients and was doing tax planning work. I was also working for a series of, of law firms who needed a sort of, a, you know, a, I feel like a locum a tax lawyer or tax partner. The biggest difference, I suppose, is that when you're working in that role, whilst the technical work you're doing is the same as what you've always done, which is, which is why they've brought you in, because you're self-employed, you have a whole load of other things to think about. It's not just the case of the work arrives in your inbox and you do it you're having to think about developing a network, um, business development, nurturing existing clients, all of the sort of things which go along with the sort of, you know, mini business, if you like, the mini business of a sole practitioner. And that, I guess, is where I sort of cut my teeth on how to do those things in a bigger scale and a fully regulated business. Because if, you know, if, if you're not good at any of those other non-legal aspects, you can be the best lawyer in the world, but, you know, your phone isn't going to ring. Your work is not going to be there. So, um, you know, I think that's one of the biggest learnings I had. Um, it's not about you as the lawyer. Nobody cares. You're just a service provider. It's about what the clients and the customers, as I like to call them, it's what they need for their business. And once you start thinking like that, you start realizing that there's all facets of what you do have equal importance, not just knocking out the tax advice. And that's such important advice. And thanks so much for sharing that, Andrew, because you're absolutely right. You know, it's never about you. It's always about them. And I think that's such staple uh, wisdom shared there. So thanks for that. Time for a quick break from the show. Are you a legal aid practitioner in England and Wales specializing in civil or criminal legal aid matters? If you are, this message is for you. As a legal aid solicitor, you don't have time to waste on legal aid case management software that doesn't work to your needs. That's why Clio has developed a quicker, more accurate and affordable solution for legal aid solicitors in England and Wales. It could save you hours in your month, particularly when it comes to end of month invoicing and claims to the legal aid agency. To see how it all works, visit clio.com forward slash UK forward slash legal aid. That's Clio, C-L-I-O dot com forward slash UK forward slash legal aid. Now back to the show. This is where I get to uh, tell you how excited we are, Andrew, because as you know, The Wise partnered with with us, you know, KC Partners is the home of the Legally Speaking podcast. So, you know, I think it's absolutely fantastic, the energy, the effort, the resources, the individuals that you have. But can you tell us more about The Wise and what exactly is it? Wise Magazine, well, Wise Magazine started off life about, I think it was two and a bit years ago. And um, someone said to us, oh, you know, needs to have a newsletter. And I was just like, look, I'm not, I'm not circulating some sort of naff PDF newsletter. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. We're going to do it. We have to have something that is like really interesting, really unique looks great but yet has some good substance to it so the wise is hosted on a sort of unique digital platform and um it goes out bi-monthly and we started off the first few editions were sort of basically it was a tax magazine and then what we had is we had a, a you know a guest special where we invited lots of other um you know 
lawyers or non-lawyers to write about, I think it was around the pandemic, you know, from your corner of the business world, how you see in things, what are the challenges? And we just realized that actually it was so much better having a collection of ideas. And let's be honest, nobody wants to read about tax from cover to cover. You know, not even <laughs> I do. <laughs> so, so it sort of evolved and it, now it's, you know, it's, um, yes, there's a bit of tax from us in there, but it's also other legal leaders, whether they be law firm owners, experts in property and corporate. And then we've got things like wealth managers, recruitment experts like your good self. We've got, um, you know, people talking about lifestyle things, you know, wine, luxury ski chalets. You know, we've got, you know, electric German cars and how that fits in and what the taxation of them is. And, you know, just trying to make it a bit more of an interesting read for lawyers, business owners. But again, it's such a great example of how it's for them, because you're right. Certain people may not want to, they might want to read a little bit about the the day job and what's going on, but it's community. You're really kind of delivering to your community. And that builds on nicely to what I was going to say next, because I think in one of your recent editions of The Wise, you outline the wise mission is to draw together these experts, thought leaders, innovators, and disruptors with like-minded legal professionals so that as a community, we can all enhance our knowledge and skills and together truly shape our industry into a more modern, three-thinking, and inclusive inclusive (laughs) environment. I nearly got it out, but that's just brilliant. What a well-written paragraph. I have to say that sounded great. (laughs) we should turn it the wise into an audio book. Yeah. Read it by your good self. <laughs> wow. It would be my absolute pleasure if I got the gig. But with the wise, <laughs> with yeah. the wise, I know, I know there's so much. You're continually moving. You're an entrepreneurial yes. thinker. You're fast moving. So, you know, what are some of the further developments you, you, you foresee with the wise magazine? And, and generally, what can people expect? Yeah. I mean, picking up on, the, on your first point there about how we're trying to harness, you know, the whole community. And really what's behind the wise is the idea that just because you're in a boutique business, whether it be law, tax, recruitment or whatever, doesn't mean that you can't punch above your weight by clubbing together with other boutiques. And that's how we operate. You know, we work alongside some great corporate boutiques, real estate, employment, and we are challenging the sort of city firms on projects. And we are delivering the same quality service at a more affordable price. And the ethos of the wise really is to create a community of these businesses and thought leaders where people can come share their expertise and ideas and effectively raise up everybody's understanding of the of the business issues that are out there so that's the sort of ethos behind it um it's a sort of not-for-profit venture it's meant to be there for people to connect with one another and share experience in terms of what we are up to with next things happening we've got a we've got a, a very exciting thing about to launch called wise live which is a portal which has all of you know the usual wise content in it, but it's somewhere that things can happen in real time. So for example, you wise is a bi-monthly publication. The wise life has the ability to, for example, you know, what would happen if the prime minister changed? You know, what is the what would happen if this happened? What's how would that affect tax policy? How does the war in Ukraine affect the economy and ripple down into tax? But, you know, things that are happening in real time. Two months is a long time uh, to wait to say things. So Wise Live Portal is about to launch in the coming weeks. The Wise has also got, I'm not sure if I can say this, a secret partnership under development with uh, a new um, legal members club called Boutique 100. Um, 
which I'm not really sure what if I can say anything more about that because <laughs> it, it, it launches it, it quietly launches um, next month. So maybe I've let the cat out of the bag, but there's some stuff going on there around um, community of experts and things like that with Boutique 100 and Wise. So lots of interesting things. So stay tuned. Yeah, and I'm, I'm super excited. And, and I just want to, again, draw on what I teach people and, and bang on about the, the three C's for modern business, you know, and you, you've nailed all of them, Andy, you know, it's collaboration, it's content, and it's community. And if you focus on those collaborations, which you just gave some great examples, you produce high quality content, you service your community, then your business is guaranteed to succeed. And the other refreshing aspect for you, Andy, as well is you're a human lawyer, you know, we, we have banter, but you're also a top expert in your field. So you've got the interpersonal skills as well as the technical skills and i think you know be more like andy is what i was talking <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, and don't, don't, don't. i'm going red i'm going red <laughs> I'm watching Black Slayer. Uh, yeah but, but you know it, i mean in all seriousness you're, you're you're right rob i mean it's like it's like what i was saying before i mean the, the, the customers or the clients don't really care how many exams you've passed or what university you went to or or whatever it's a, it's a given that if you go to any, say if you went to any magic server law firm, it's a given that at that level of the market, you're getting a similar quality service from each of those guys. If you go to mid-tier uh, firms, the good ones, you're getting some. So a lot of it is down to who do you want to work with? Do these, are these a good culture fit for your, um, for your business and for your projects and whatever? And so you have to have a bit of personality. It's not just about the book work because the book work's a given and it's a, it's a constant, you know, and you've got to differentiate yourself by trying to give the clients something that they feel is a good fit for their organization. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree. And it's, it's great that you're doing so much uh, extra work, um, you know, I'd say to really focus on community. And I, I want to stick with the, the whys a little bit longer because I, in that same issue that you recently had, you explained law is no longer about a load of grey-haired old white <laughs> blokes in even greyer tall buildings beasting associate lawyers for 70 hours a week. So with that in mind, you know, how have you seen the law evolve since your training Ooh, days at Evershed's? And what would you see, like to see the legal industry regarding inclusion and diversity as it develops? It's a really good question. I'm going to have to watch what I write from now on because it comes back at me in interview questions. Um, <laughs> good question. I mean, I mean, there'll be lots of people, I'm sure, on your podcast, colleagues who have thoughts from their own personal journeys around uh, race equality, gender equality, things like that. Um, and I can only speak from my own personal experience. So, I mean, the, the thing that I, I, I guess, I suppose I've seen is that whenever I first started working in the city, probably around the early 2000s, recruitment, and it'd be really great to get your views on this, but recruitment at that time was some senior partners from private schools or public schools, they say in England, public school backgrounds and Oxford <laughs> educations, Graduate recruitment was they went down to the Oxbridge colleges for a couple of days and then put some stands up and then recruited a load of people in their own likeness back into the firm. And so it went on. And, you know, I'm from a sort of, I think in England, you would say state school background, local grammar school where, where I'm from, sort of free to go to sort of thing. And I sort of remember thinking um, in the city at that time, you know, where, where are all the, the smart um students from Leeds were all the people from, you know, from law school in York. And, you know, it seemed the city had a very much a production line of, you know, private school educated Oxbridge graduates. Now, being still friends with a lot of people who work in the city now, they would say that that has definitely changed. And there is now a, a much more focus on 
Your clients come from all all walks of life. The talent pool in the UK is vast and it doesn't just come from, albeit some really top elite universities. And of course, those guys still should be, you know, should be recruited. But it's more of a, okay, it's more of an open-minded approach to getting a selection of top talent from different walks of life. So that is one thing that I think in my career wasn't great to start with and has changed for the better. Good. And I'm, I'm glad that you've stated that as, as as well. And I know, you know, there are lots of um, people in the community and people we've had on the show who are really pushing to create change within the industry as well. And we support that definitely here on the, the Legally Speaking podcast. And, and to your point, Andy, as well, you know, we challenge firms because we also say, you know, from, from the perspective, you know, they'll, they'll give us a brief and they'll say we want X, Y and Z and we're looking for diverse talent. And then we actually represent the data and suggest, hey, these are the, 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 the t- talent profiles and this is the response rate or rejection levels you know is this just a marketing thing or is this something you truly genuinely believe in as part of the values and dna and fabric of the firm so you know it's important that we hold people accountable because it's very easy like you say andy to put things on websites but everything that you do you put the action in you speak more freely and openly but back that up with really good quality content and services and that's why i was so keen to, to get you on and you know taxes you know is a super interesting area of law and i think you've really brought that to, to light during this conversation and with that, you know, what advice would you give before we look to wrap up to any aspiring lawyers who are maybe interested in wishing to specialize in tax? What advice would you give to them? Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, in all seriousness. Um, I mean, I, I guess I guess the thing is, um, with tax law, there's only certain um, law firms would have a tax department for a start. And so if you want to do your route into tax as a lawyer is to do a, a training contract where you can do a seat in tax. So if you're at the if you're a student and you're listening to this and you're at the, the point of picking where you might apply for a back scheme or a training contract, the more corporate um, influence firms that have tax departments, that is where you will get experience of what it's like to work in a corporate tax department. Um, so that is that is your practical route into it. In terms of whether you should do it or not, I mean, obviously, you know, I love working in tax. Um, the thing which a lot of people don't realize about tax is whilst it is highly specialized, it also, on the flip side of that, it is very general because tax sits in the center of, of most firms and you have to advise the corporate guys, the property department, employment, finance. And so you have to develop a working understanding of all of those different departments such that you can overlay your advice into how they do their transactions. So it's technical, but it's also varied. And so I would, you know, anyone who's thinking about it, I would encourage them to to do it um, and to find the right sort of firm that you can get the right training and, and the right pathway into the profession. Yeah, and you, you mentioned so brilliantly throughout that you had received great training from the likes of Eversheds and, and Lovells or Hogan Lovells now, as it as it would be, and how that really helped you get to where you are today. So I think there's some really great learnings you shared with that. Um, as a result of that, I'm sure a lot of people are probably going to want to, to know more. So if our listeners would like to know more about Tax Law or Winslow or The Wise Magazine, what would be the best way for them to get in contact? Feel free to shout out any of your social media handles or website links, and we'll also share them with this episode for you too yeah sure i mean uh our website winslows.co.uk check us out on there it's got information around our services bits about the, the current team their journeys where they trained how they made their way into the profession so that might be of interest to people um, for all things wise related you can um, start by accessing the wise on the wise linkedin page 
Uh, and from there, it's got all of the information to uh, subscribe if you want to get it direct into your um, inbox and look at the back copies and the podcasts and all of that. Yeah, absolutely. And we should clarify that it's the Y's with a Z, not an S, folks, just in case anyone's listening and I haven't been pronouncing it as correctly as I should have. Um, But Andrew, thank you so, so much for for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. So wishing you, all of the team over at Winslow and on the Wise magazine, lots of continued success. But for now, from all of us on the Legally Speaking podcast, over and out. This week's review comes from Angleston. Perfect for law students. Five stars. Rob is a thoroughly engaging host who gets the best out of all his guests, makes for fascinating listening and very informative on all aspects that a law student would look for. Applications, commercial awareness, life as a lawyer, etc. I think it also makes law seem more approachable in the sense that all the guests seem to be easy to talk to and enthusiastic about things outside of the law as well. Law firm partners seem to be a lot less scary when you've heard them talk and about their former life as a DJ. All round great podcast. Thank you so much, Angleston, for your kind words and informative review. From all of us at Legally Speaking Podcast, we appreciate you.